Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Uh, several days ago, the Lord just kind of put something on my heart, and I've just kind of been meditating on it for the last few days. And, and honestly, when I sat down in the office today, I thought, well, gracious, I, I feel like I'm just going to wing it tonight. You know, just, you kind of got this, this whole kind of concept, you know, that's, that's in my heart. Let's just see how we can get it out. And as I sat down, you know, things you know, just began to kind of roll and, uh, and I know it's going to dovetail a lot with some things that have been said recently, and, and that's okay, because, you know, the more we hear it, the more settled we become in things. And, and the Bible talks clearly about, you know, precept upon precept upon precept. You know, the principle is that we hear it, and we hear it, and faith comes when we keep hearing it. Don't ever turn somebody off just because you think, I've heard that before. Because you haven't heard all there is to hear about it before. A pastor could get up here and preach the exact same message word for word five Sundays in a row. And if you're listening, you'll get something different out of it every time. You'll go with a, with a, a deeper understanding, a higher revelation, you know, a, a deeper commitment to what that word is, you know, if you're just listening. So don't ever turn somebody off. Oh, oh here we go again. No, 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 no. That's, that's just not it. You know, God's got something for us to learn. He's got something for us. And, and um, you know, a, a good friend of ours put something up on, on, on a, his Facebook page, a good ministry friend of ours, and uh, put something up on, on uh, Facebook the other day, and I thought, man, that's good. Well, I'm not sure I can make a whole sermon out of it, but let me tell you what he said. This, this one phrase, and I just, it, just, it just struck me. He said, the reason for our coming to church and listening is not just for information. It's for transformation. Isn't that good? Some people just think they come to church just to get, you know, just to learn the Bible. Okay, let's see what Moses did. Let's see what Noah did. Let's see what Paul did. No, it's not an information session. It's a transformation session. You're supposed to be different when you leave here. You're supposed to be able to take what you hear here, apply it to your life, and make a change. Make a difference. Not that change is, is something that is the negative thing, but change is a positive thing. God's taking me from this place to this place. How many of you can look back over the course of your life and you go, wow, I've come a long way. That didn't come by you sitting home. It came because you got into the word at home and you got yourself here for God to to speak to you, for you to experience the presence of God in a corporate setting, because that's the only place you're going to experience that anointing, a corporate anointing, is in the corporate body. And you can't do that from home. You can't do it on live stream. You can't do it on the TV. This is the downside of live stream. People think, well, I can just stay home. I can watch it on live stream. No, it's not the same. It's not the same. There might be an element of it that you'll, that you'll catch a hold of, you know, the, the anointing you may be, but it is not the same as being here. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I don't want to just talk about it. I don't want to see a picture of it. I don't want to see a video of it. I don't want to live stream it. Let me go to the house of the Lord. Amen. We think, well, you're just the pastors. You know, that's, you're going to say that. I'm going, no, the word says that. 
I get to just tell you what the word says. You know, and you have to do something with it. Once you hear it, you're responsible. Isn't that good news? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, let me tell you what God, what God has been put on, putting on my heart was uh, just the fact that we're living in the last days and that we are privileged above every generation to be living in the times that we're living in. Now, I know you might look around and go, privileged, are you kidding? Do you know what's going on out there? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. In, uh, in 2 Timothy 3, 1, it says, in the last days, perilous times will come. Well, looking around, I tell you what, we were living in some mighty perilous times. If you didn't know these were the last days, just look around you. Get a clue. Get a clue. We are living in the last days. But as the church, we should not be afraid of the fact that we are living in perilous times. The world is in perilous times, but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is shining above all others. It says over in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it, it talks about in the, in the end times, there be wars and rumors of wars. It says nations will rise against nations, kingdom against kingdom. And, you know, I used to, as a child growing up, I mean, you know, being raised in the kind of church I was raised in, there was a lot of talk about end times and about Jesus coming back. And, you know, there was, there was those moments in my life when I was backslidden and, and you know, certain circumstances would happen and I'd go, oh! Did Jesus come back? I mean, I can't find my parents. I can't find anybody that I know that's living for God. And I'm just going, panic would just go out of me. Okay, did Jesus come back and I missed it? You know, that kind of thing. You know, but we talked a lot about those kind of things, you know, where in the kind of church I, w- I grew up in. And uh, we talked about wars and rumors of wars. And, you know, people, you know, of my generation, you know, and the people just before us, you know, have experienced world wars. We have experienced, you know, the Vietnam War. Today, we're not, we're not, we are, the United States is at war, you know, in Afghanistan and around the world and some other places. You know, but you look around our society as a whole, we're totally unaffected by it. It's not like World War II where everything was affected. Everything about your life was affected by what was going on. And so we tend to kind of, you know, just think that war is something that happens somewhere else, you know, and it's, you know, it's just somebody in Africa that's fighting somebody or somebody in the Middle East that's fighting somebody in the Middle East and somebody over in the Far East that's fighting somebody in the Far East. But I'm telling you what, today as I was looking at this, I began to see that there are wars and rumors of wars going on in our very midst. The kingdom of darkness is at war with the church right now. Can you feel it? Can you see? He is knowing that his time is drawing near. And he is doing his best to take advantage of every opportunity. So how is there war going on in our very midst? Well, you know what? If you, have, if you go back and you look starting back in the 60s, which, you know, I'm a child of the 60s. I know I don't look it. Okay. Say amen. Amen. All right. Thank you very much. (laughs) But it started in the 60s. The rebels of the 60s, the hippie generation, started all this this nonsense. The women's lib movement came along, and so it became a, a battle of the sexes. You know, the devil has been in the middle of this country and in our society for a very long time. A very long time. 
When he's tried to pit men against women, when he's tried to pit pit rich versus poor, the haves and the have-nots, you know, one of the biggest advertising slogans that, I, I, that just irked me right now is everything is you deserve. Get what you deserve. Listen, you don't deserve anything. Nobody owes you anything. Just because, you know, you want this or that or the other, get the coverage you deserve. What? You're going to get the coverage you pay for. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get the quality of the product that you pay for. Get the quality you deserve. No, get the quality you pay for. I mean, what is this nonsense about what you deserve? It's a way to pit people against one another. People who can't afford the quality and people who cannot. Well, I deserve that too. Did you pay for it? No. Well, society owes me. Well, why do they owe you? Do you work? Nobody owes you anything unless you're working for it. I grew up poor, people. I remember when I went went to my daddy on a Sunday night after church and said, Daddy, the church he was pastoring at the time was in Jacksonville, and we were right across the street in a neighborhood right across the street from a 7-Eleven. Ices were wonderful. They were 10 cent. And I said, Daddy, can I have a dime to go get an icy? And he looked at me and said, Baby, I don't have a dime. Listen, we grew up poor, but I didn't stay poor. But nobody gave me that. The blessing of the Lord has ble- has, is what's come into my life. You know, that and the fact that I'm willing to work. If a man won't work, he won't eat. And if our government would put that into play right now, there'd be a whole lot more people out there working instead of sitting home on their, fa- on their rear ends doing nothing and expecting somebody to give them something that they deserve. Oh, I can meddle. Can I meddle, honey? Okay, I can meddle. But you see, there's a, there's a, a class warfare that has, is, being, is being amped up by people all around us. The devil is using people to amp that up. And the old man versus woman thing, it's still there. The women's livers, are, they haven't gone away, folks. You know how I know? Because of this great thing that says a woman has a right to choose. There's a war on our children. How many children have, have died because a woman has a right to choose? I deserve to make my own choice. Honey, you had a right to choose and it wasn't this moment. It was a moment that happened before this moment. That's when you should have chosen. Don't you come down and you take somebody else's life because you made a bad choice. Or a, cho- a choice that you regret now. But you see, there's all kind of wars that are going on. Wars and rumors of war. And then the enemy, of course, is trying his best, best to, to pit one ethnic group against another. You know, we look at it in terms of just black and white. It's not. If you lived in Texas, it'd be, it'd be the Mexicans. If you lived in, in, uh, in over out in the Pacific area, it'd be, it'd be against the Asians. There's, there's, there's wars going on that the enemy is trying to keep stirred up all the time. Listen. There is, there is no race except the race of men. You know, what is, a, what is a race anyway? A race is a group of people with a common ancestry. We all descended from Adam. There is only one race of men. 
one race. And right now, God looks at, at men in three different categories. There's the church, there's the Jews, and there's the, the unbeliever. There is no black, no white. I, I, heard, I heard a gentleman that, that you probably would know who is, who's got quite a bit of, of fame in the entertainment world. He was being interviewed. This was a number of years ago. He was being interviewed, and somebody asked him about what it was like to be a black man, and he said, I don't even want to talk about that. And he goes, well, why not? He says, because I don't see color. I see you as, as so-and-so, not as a white man. He said, I want you to see me as so-and-so, not as a black man. And that's what we should all be doing. The church bought into that for a long time, and thank God that's not the case. Now, it still is in some places. But when I look at anybody, I, don't, I, I see them as who they are. You can be purple. I don't care. If Drew was purple, he'd just be Drew to me. If you were a Klingon, you'd still be just, you know, just whatever. <laughs> whatever your name is. And yet the enemy is doing his best. The, the warfare he is, he is trying to keep going is more subtle than, than one nation taking rockets and firing on another nation. Because what? A house divided cannot stand. That's his biggest attribute right now. That's his biggest ploy is to try to get people to fight between themselves instead of putting their attention where it needs to be. You know, folks, we've got a lot to do in this day. We need to pull more people out of that third category of heathen and bring them into the church. That's the only race that matters. That's the only thing that God is concerned about. And that's the thing the devil is doing his very best to keep from happening. Personally, he doesn't care one thing about you. You individually. See, that's the difference between him and God. He absolutely doesn't care about, about John Schrader. You sit on the front row, you get picked on. He doesn't care one thing about John Schrader. All he cares is that that's a child of God and he wants to destroy him. He's just a child of God. That he, that he wants to destroy. But see, in God's eyes, ah, John Schrader is everything. Is everything. He knows him right down to every hair on his head. He knows everything about him. He knows his, his dreams and his hopes and, and his desires. He knows, you know, the things that, that make him happy. He, he knows everything and he cares about everything. And the devil cares absolutely nothing. His intent is to destroy. That's it. That's it. And yet when I go over to the, to the book of Esther, the fact is if you can find it, you should. One great thing about being raised in a, in a place where there was Sunday school stuff was we learned all these wonderful things, you know, in Sunday school. In Esther, chapter 4, the latter part of verse 14, it says, who knows? This is Mordecai. I mean, not Mordecai, but uh, yeah, Mordecai. He came to his, his niece, Esther, 
you know, I won't even go into all the story. If you don't know it, you need to read it. It's, it's a wonderful story of redemption and deliverance. And he says, who knows whether you are coming to the kingdom for such a time as this. What a wonderful statement. You and I have been born into this generation for such a time as this. We have a job to do. We have responsibilities to fulfill in this day and in this hour. You see people who all through the Bible who were placed at that particular time for a particular reason to deliver God's people, to deliver, to deliver people from darkness to light. You know, you go back, I mean, you can see Abraham. I mean, every one of those people who are listed in the Old Testament, just about, you know, they were put there at a specific time for a specific reason. Oh, well, you know, people like Moses, people like Esther, people like Gideon, people like Samson, people like David, people like Samuel, people like Daniel, people like the three Hebrew children, certain of the kings of Israel, they were placed here. Listen, you've been placed here at this time, in this era. What does it say over in 1 Peter 2, 9? It says, you, well, go over there. You need to look at that. You need to always look at these kind of scriptures that tell you who you are and what you are. 1 Peter 2, 9. First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, another translation say a purchased people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What's the point of showing forth his praises? So somebody else will see it. So somebody else will hear it. So that somebody else will come into the same light that you've been called into. You're chosen. And, and listen, there have been men of God, wonderful men of God, that have prophesied down through this last century about a great move of God that was coming. You know, we experienced the Pentecostal outpouring of the early 20th century. You go on later into the latter part of the 20th century and the, and the, the word movement, the word of faith movement came, came into being. And there is a, a, a move of God yet to come that's going to bring those two things together where the word and the spirit come together. And you are in it. Oh, my heavens, you're in it. You're right smack dab in the middle of it. God has chosen to place you in this time where these two moves are going to come together in one of the most powerful things God has ever done in this earth. We're setting the stage and participating in the fact that Jesus is coming again and he's coming soon. I'm with Miss Edna. I'm, I want to I go up. I want to be able to look around and go, whoo, look at that earth disappear. It's possible. It's likely. I know, you know, as old as I am, I mean, we've heard, we've heard all my life, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. He really is. 
You think, well, it's been 50 years, you know, people have been saying that. Well, they've been saying it for longer than that, but that's how long I've been around. And they've been saying it all my life. Listen, that just means we're closer to it than ever. Every time you say Jesus is coming soon, it means we're closer than we were yesterday. We're a whole lot closer than we were last year. But we've been put here for this time for a reason. You've been chosen. 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 God could have put you in any century he wanted to. He chose to put you here. You think, well, I would rather have lived back in the good old days. What good old days? Were you outside today? Do you love the fact that that you're in a generation that knows what air conditioning is? I didn't have air conditioning in my house until I was in early teens. I remember when I was a kid what it was like to put my feet on the wall at night in the summertime just trying to find a cool spot. When I get to heaven, I sure hope, the man man who invented air conditioning, his name is Carrier, I sure hope he's in heaven because I want to hug him. Were the 1800s good old days? No. Are you kidding me? No. You ask any of those people. We love our modern conveniences, folks. Some of you people are too young to know what it was like without cell phones. Listen, when when I was a kid, we had party lines. Anybody have party lines besides my house? Oh, yeah. See, there's some of us. Yeah. Yeah. That means you had a telephone in your house that was wired, but you shared that, that same number with about three other houses and according to the ring as to how you knew which house it was ringing at the moment. And, you know, individual phone lines didn't come in for a lot longer. You know, there was no color TV. You were lucky if you had three channels. Listen, we love our modern conveniences. So we're living in a good time, so to speak, naturally. But we're living in the best time there is spiritually. We're living in a time, I tell you what, where we're going to see things that have never been seen before. We're going to do things that we've never seen people do before. We're going to help bring in the biggest harvest into the kingdom of God that there has ever been. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. We've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Glory to God. Woo! Stand up and shout. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you chose us for this time. Thank you that you chose us for this place. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, sit down. It's not just a time, it's a place. God has you in the place that you're at. The church that you're at. The job that you're at. The family that you have. The friends that you have. 
for such a time as this. Don't squander the opportunity. Don't squander it. You think, can God use me? Absolutely, he is, he is banking on using you. He is banking on you. There are people that only you can reach. There are things that only you can do. There are things to accomplish for the kingdom of God that only you have been assigned those things. When you start to think of it in those terms, then you start to get a realization of how important it is to walk your walk every single day in in line with the word and the leading of the spirit. Mm. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. We have to get that kind of an understanding that the days are short. And, and the things of our life, though they are important, when you really boil them down, are they of eternal purpose? No. Is God, in, is he interested in whether you have a different house, a different car, a different job, whether you're blessed? Yes, he's interested in all those things, but don't put your interest in those things so much so that you miss out what the real treasure is he's trying to put in your life. Because the real treasure is those that you take with you. Those that you have affected to the point that they've come to a realization and an acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's the real treasure. We're here to enjoy God's blessings while we're on this earth, but those blessings shouldn't get in our way. Brother Hagen, you know, he's called the father of the modern-day faith movement, and I'm convinced, because pastor said it on Sunday morning, that the reason there was such an emphasis on the word and on faith is to get us ready for now. People didn't know how to believe God. They didn't know what God wanted to do for them. Not what he could, but what he wanted to do. And there's never been much of a question in people's minds about what, that God could do something. Everybody's known that. But people didn't have a revelation of what he wanted to do and what belongs to us. And what we can say is ours and lay hold of. And we have got to get to the place where our faith level is so high that no matter what the devil brings into our lives, we just look at it and go, oh, that's no big deal. That's no big deal. I haven't got time for that. That's already taken care of. I'm not going to waste my time or my energy on it. Because I've got something different that I've got to put my focus on. See, as long as the enemy has had people's focus on their own personal needs and their own personal lives and their own personal circumstances, then he keeps you from seeing the bigger picture. The bigger picture is people. But when we get our faith life developed to that that level that it needs to be at, then all the things he throws at us, the enemy throws in in our face, tries to throw our way, we count as nothing, it's no big deal. And it doesn't distract us from what we need to be doing and the people we need to be ministering to, and the people he puts in our paths. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Listen, our faith is not just for things, but our faith is to help bring us into the place that God wants to take us. What are those places? I don't know. But our faith will take us into those unknown places. We pray it out in, in advance, and, and we'll just walk into it, just smooth as silk. We'll just walk right into them, you know, because our prayers have paved the way, and our prayers have gone before us. And all those obstacles the enemy has wanted to throw in our path, you know, we've already dealt with them in the spirit, you know, and it just seems like it was really easy. It was like no big deal, but it's because you prayed them out ahead of time. Hallelujah. Listen, there's going to be things that God's going to ask us to do in the days ahead. And if your faith is developed where it ought to be, you won't even hesitate. Won't even hesitate. You can say, yes, sir, ready to go. I don't know how. You do. I'm just ready to go. Ready to do whatever, whatever the next step is, Lord, I'm ready. Let's go. Instead of stopping and going, I don't know if I can do that. Well, I don't know that. You know, oh, no. There's some, there's some demands on our time that he's going to ask us to give him. And we, shouldn't, and we shouldn't just automatically go, oh, no, pastor's going to add another service to the week? Are you kidding me? We already go to church more than anybody I know. What if, what if he said, okay, every Friday night from now on, we're going to have a healing service. It's going to be called healing school. I need you all to show up. What would you do? Now, in the back of your mind, some of you went, oh, I hope you didn't do that. I won't ask you who said, who thought that. But see, our time needs to become his time. Our focus needs to be his focus. What's important to him has got to become important to us because we've been called for such a time as this. Who's going to do your job if you don't do it? God's got other ways. You know what? Everybody should be carrying the load, not just a few people. When the load is spread out over a bunch of people, the job gets done so much easier. But when, certain, when people won't do their part, you know, there are other people who say, I'll take that part. I'll load it up, Lord. I'll take that part. But that shouldn't be how it is. Ideally, we should all be doing the part that God asks us to do. Well, he hadn't asked me to do anything. Again, somebody's got their ears plugged up. You're not listening because he's talking. He's trying to talk to some folks. They just haven't gotten it. And... Not only is he trying to get us individually to a place, he wants to get this, the church to a place. Every local church has got a part. And it shouldn't be up to the pastor to believe God for the church to get to that place that the Lord wants the church to get to. We should all be joining our faith with the pastor so that the church comes into the fullness of what God has planned for us to accomplish. For the task he has ahead of us. For the, for the place in, in this era that we're supposed to take. It's not just up to him. 
So don't just come in here and sit down and go, well, you know, well, that, that's nice. I'm sure pastor's got, got all that under control. No. He expects you to join your faith with his and join your faith with the rest of the people in this church to see that that gets done. It can't be done alone. It can't be done with just a few people. Do we want the fullness of it? That's the question. Do we want to see that the the vision and the mission that God has placed on this church to be accomplished in a measure or in its fullness? That means it's going to require all of us joining our faith together. And then following our faith with the action that he's already put in our heart to do. Because we have been called together for such a time as this. The world's getting darker. But I'm telling you what, when Jesus came, he said, I'm the light of the world. In Matthew, in the book of Matthew, it says, you are the light of the world. If Jesus is in you, you are the light of the world. There is a, uh, go with me to Matthew 4, 16. Now, I know this was talking about Jesus, but if it was talking about Jesus, it's now talking about you. Talking about Jesus and his earthly ministry and his mission that he came for. Verse 16 uh, says, The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light has sprung up. Ah, you are that light. You are that light. There are people that are sitting in darkness. Some in darker places than others. But they, they've got to see that great light. You're the one who has to be the demonstrator of it. You have to be the example of it. You have to be the bringer, the bearer of that light goes on to say, and those that sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. If the world gets darker, our light gets brighter. God's not coming back for a wimpy church. He's coming back for a glorious church. And as the world gets darker, the church will just shine brighter and brighter and brighter. You know, growing up, like I said before, we talked, there was a lot of talk in, in our circles about the end times and, and the tribulation period and we're going to have to take the mark of the beast. You know, all this, all this stuff. And 666, I mean, you're kind of wondering, what's that going to be? Is it going to make tattoo it on your forehead or on your arm or something? Listen, there's such technology right now. That, that the, you know, there, there's been contentions that, that that mark of the beast is going to be some kind of a chip, you know, put under your skin that nothing can be bought or sold, you know, unless you've got a chip. Listen, that is definitely in the realm of possibility right in this minute. It wasn't 20 years ago, but it is now. I mean, 
the evolution of technology is so lightning quick these days, it'll make your head spin. When I was growing up, the, the, the uh, passages from the scripture about how Moses and Elijah, would, I mean, Elijah and, uh, Elijah and, who are the two witnesses? Elijah and Moses would come back and people would see them all. The whole world would see them and you kind of wonder, well, how is that going to happen? Listen, it's easy. It is easy right now for that to happen. Easy. But I'm telling you what, I'm not so concerned about the mark of the beast because I definitely think I'm not going to be here to experience that. But I ought to be marked by God. Marked so well with a light shining so bright that I stand out everywhere I go, that there is nobody who is in doubt about the fact there's something about that person, there's something about that woman, there's something about her just shining all over her. See, the glory of the God wants to inhabit you. The glory of the God wants to follow you around all day long and be with you so that when you walk into any situation, the glory is already there because you're there. You are the light of the world. Light and glory go together, folks. They go together. He wants you to take his glory and his power into every situation and every place you put your foot. It ought to be as glaring as 666 tattooed on your forehead. If, somebody, if, you, can, if you go to work and somebody says, well, I didn't know you were a Christian, shame on you. Shame on you. It, you shouldn't have to open your mouth for somebody sees Jesus all over you. And when you open your mouth, it ought ought to be a confirmation of Jesus in you. Hallelujah. You are the light of the world. And if you're not the light, the world will never get out of the darkness. You have been given so much. I was so blessed on Sunday night. When our kids got up, when our teenagers got up. And after church, I was telling pastor, I said, it's amazing. Everything they shared was so on point, so right on and so good. And I said, you know what? Our kids, our teenagers know so much more than so many mature Christians know. I looked at them on Sunday night and I heard what they were saying and I thought, You know, if you have any regrets in life, it's that you didn't follow Jesus sooner. But to have what they have, to to know what they know at such a young age, what a blessing. And they need to know it. Because the world that they go into in in schools and and different things that that they go to, it's not like it used to be. It's a lot more dangerous place spiritually and physically than it ever has been before. They need to know who they are in Christ. They need to know what power is. They need to know what authority is. We shouldn't let them put us to shame, adults. We ought to be right there with them. Fortunately for us, for a lot of them, they're not having to unlearn all the junk that we had to unlearn to get to where we are. And I just thank God that they've been raised in a place where they know what they know without having to unlearn so much of the stuff that I had to unlearn. Because you know what? Once in a while, it crops up again. The enemy wants to bring back all that old nonsense that we used to believe. 
and all that tradition that somebody just poured into us all those years. But I'm just blessed to see a generation that's coming up. And I tell you what, I will not be outdone by them. We're going to run a good race. The old lady's going to run a good race with them. Amen. But see, it's not us and them. It's all of us together. It's all of us together getting a job done. Because they'll be able to reach into places you and I won't ever be able to reach. God's got to get, to hold, get a hold of the young people of today. On, in, in the elementary schools, in the middle schools, in the high schools, in the colleges. And there's our ambassadors over right there. And we should be praying for them on a daily basis that they stand strong and they stand firm in the things of God and that they, they get a bigger and better revelation every single day of the things that God's put in them and he wants to do with them and do through them and do for them. But we have all been called to this time, this season, this era, this job for such a time as this. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.